Welcome back to Draft Vice. It is me. It is Walter. We're here. It is time. And guess what? We have a guest. We're going to have a call in. It is our buddy Shane McMurdo. Yep, that's right. From the live cast, from all the other episodes, he's here. We are talking the draft, but not 2020. 2021. What? Why? Ah, because we can and we will and we shall. And so let me welcome him up onto the show. You can follow him at the T H E E underscore Shane underscore M C M. And let's bring him on right now. What's up? What's up, man? How you doing? Chilling? Talking about uh 2021 prospects. Some of these guys I'm interested if they actually show up in this supplemental draft because they go, wait a second, we might not even play next year. So you might as well go ahead and do the supplemental draft and maybe go on and start our career a year early. Yeah, because the rule is uh, to you have to be three years removed from your high school graduation. Yeah, so that's it. So I think guys like you know Travis Etienne, we're probably going to talk about like a guy who probably could have came out this year. He he'd be an he'd be one to maybe do the supplemental draft. Um, Alex Leatherwood, I think, still could have came out this year. I remember rumors of him coming out. He's of Alabama. Uh, he probably could have came out this year. He decided to stay. So guys that probably stayed this year and thought they were going to go an extra year in the in college, I think they're probably more likely to maybe do the supplemental draft if they think that there's no college season this year anyway. Right. And that would actually give like teams like a real benefit out of that too, like because it's like okay, like you, some of the teams that have extra picks next year would be like, oh, you know what, we can get this really good guy for like a day two pick or a day three pick. Like, for instance, if you're the Miami Dolphins and you whiffed a tackle and then Alex Leatherwood comes out and you you throw out a second or third round pick on the guy, you probably have a better offensive line now than you did before. Or if you, like if Cincinnati, like if Burrow performs well, but they have problems keeping him upright. Yeah. Which I think is a very likely possibility. But I'm shocked they didn't go harder at O-line. That that was uh, the one thing that I thought was shocking, and uh, I, I felt like the the receiver pick was a little interesting for him. I didn't think Higgins was going to be the guy there. I just felt like he, it's a lot of the same build for their receiving core. Yeah, they're just building from the outside in, really. A lot of possession receivers, decent route runners, minus the one speed guy. Well, that's the thing. It depends on if they even keep John Ross. Like, how much longer are you going to keep him on the roster? Would you maybe trade him? Is he going to be a reclamation project? Are they going to, you know, take his fifth-year option? Did they pick options? up his fifth-year option at all? I don't think they've announced him yet. I know they announced uh, a few different people. I know Tack McKinley was the only one I heard that absolutely is not getting it. So that's another another Atlanta guy not staying on the roster. They've been pretty bad at drafting the last few years. Yeah, they've had a rough go of it for sure. Well, they're better than Jacksonville. If you think about it, like, look at all – like, Jacksonville has been such an awful franchise that they've had so many top five draft picks. Bortles is gone. Ramsey is gone. But Ramsey Fournette, was good. Trade. Like, uh-huh. at least Ramsey was good. Miles Jack is good. Leonard Fournette's really the big question mark. But, like, Josh Allen's good. They hit on Yannick Ngakwe. I would argue that Jacksonville's a better drafter than Atlanta. They are, but, like, none of these guys stay there. Well, that's they the draft question. well, but they, they don't keep them there. Ramsey's gone. Fournette might get traded. Bortles is gone. Uh, Justin Blackman isn't even in the league anymore. You know, all of these just wild picks, man. 
Yeah. And then also, how much is, you know, the 2021 college season is going to affect next year's draft? And if honestly, you know, some teams are trading away picks for next year, but if you only get like a six game snapshot, you might have been better off taking a guy this year than next year. Well, yeah, but that the season is mainly to see for people to who are fringe. Like, like there's guys in this list of names we're about to talk about that would have gone early this year. It's the fringe guys that like it's like round one and maybe half a round two are pretty much like you, you pretty much got these locks. It's everybody else like, well, can they adjust to a new coach? Can they show up in big games? Can he play a full season without getting injured? Like guys like that that you're worried about. Yeah. Like um like it's just there's so much that can change in a football season anyway. Like on the NFL side, team needs, cuts, trades, um, injuries, underperforming players that that really drive up what players you need. And then on the college side, it's people who underperform, people who get hurt, people who come like a year ago today, Joe Burrow was considered like a sixth round draft pick if he got drafted at all. Yeah. No, it was and, it was kind of a shocker that he came out of nowhere, and that's that's what the, the I guess the value of another season kind of gets you is oh you have the opportunity to see a guy play you know another ten games maybe potentially a bowl game, right? And like Dylan Moses, like mm-hmm. we'll talk about him. Like he he would would have been a fresh round draft pick this year if he played, but he he got hurt, so he's coming back for his senior year. So it's just things like that. Like it'll be weird. It'll be kind of shitty. But I don't think it would like ruin a draft necessarily. No, especially because there's a lot of talent in it. At least the benefit would be is they'd have the option of hopefully by that point working out the players, like being able to get them to do a pro day or do private workouts, not just do the Skype, you know, interviews that they were doing already or the FaceTime interviews. Right. So at least they get that benefit. So it might be a bit of a trade off either way. You get some game tape. Um, but let's talk about some guys. Let's talk quarterbacks, right? There's next year's supposed to be the big tank for Trevor Lawrence or tank for Justin Fields draft. What do you think about those two? Well, we've been talking about Lawrence since he was a true freshman because he, he was a five star, five star recruit, went to Clemson, when comes in for um, Kelly Bryant mm-hmm. and just goes off. He's got size, he's got not just like a strong arm but he's accurate with it he's a good decision maker um and then this year he showed off a little bit more of his athleticism yeah he did run the ball more he did and he's shown up in big games like that's you can't not like he's got like he's only played two seasons and he's been to the championship both times now granted in in the championship against lsu he didn't have his finest performance but that you know lsu had a player at every position get drafted this year for a reason. They were a very good team and very well coached, but he still, he didn't absolutely embarrass himself. You know, he didn't have like a rich gain and Super Bowl appearance. He still had a solid showing for himself. He just like a lot of people like, you know, AJ Terrell got drafted 16th overall and he got embarrassed in that game. Etienne had a quiet, quiet second. Etienne and Higgins both had good first half, but they kind of just disappeared to the second half. Yeah, I think and, if you, you just know. even looked at that secondary, which was Fulton, Delpit, and then Stingley, who's not even he's not even gonna be eligible next year, I don't even think. Stingley's no. gonna probably be a top five pick one. when he comes out. Oh yeah. And so will another guy on their team we'll get to later on the other side, but 
but yeah, he's uh, Lawrence. Lawrence is undoubtedly still the number one going in. Although I think by the time the draft comes, uh, Justin Fields will be a little bit closer. Like this kid is quietly. If Joe Burrow didn't have the best statistical college season we've ever seen, like more people would be talking about Fields because he had a great season as well. You know, he threw for over 40 touchdowns compared to four interceptions, uh, rushed for between 400 and 500 as well. And he's big. He's, he's like a little, he's only like six, three, mm-hmm. but he's like 250 and he's fast. And he was, he transferred from Georgia, uh, because he wasn't going to start over from there and a couple other things like hate speech things directed his way while he was there, which is how he was a- able to get immediate eligibility at Ohio state. But he's fast. He's athletic, strong arm, but he's, he's a good passer too. Like, cause you've seen a lot of quarterbacks come from Ohio state that have good like statistical numbers, but when they get to the NFL, they're not good at passers, you know, Cardell Jones, Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, possibly Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of people are going to make the Dwayne Haskins, you know, comparison. Now, granted, they changed coaches. Uh, You know, Urban Meyer's not leading the program there anymore. No. So that might be the the big difference maker is maybe, you know, you get to see more downfield passing from Justin Fields. Um, They seem to be using a lot more running backs and pass protection and going for deeper, you know, shots downfield than than just running those crossing routes all the time. Haskins was more of a touch thrower anyway. Yeah. Field, Fields has a strong arm. He can throw in tighter windows. He goes through his reads way better than uh, than uh, Haskins ever did. Uh, he's more of like a, 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 he's better at like anticipatory throws too. Because one thing people love to hold against him was in the uh, the college semifinal against Clemson when he threw that mm-hmm. game losing interception at the end of the game. If you look at it, the the wide receiver made the wrong break. Yeah, because that it was one of those routes where, at, like, depending on what the corner does, like if if he stays over the top, you break it on the inside. If he bites, you break it to the outside. And the the corner bit, but the the receiver didn't know that, so he went to the inside when Fields threw it to the outside, and that's why it was very easy for Tanner Muse to intercept. But but Fields made the right read, so in you got to remember there's like less than 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. They were down and he still had the wherewithal and the composure to make the right decision for what the play called for on a, in a big stage, even though the ball got intercepted, it was, he still did what he had to do. So, so my question is, is these guys going to be the top two guys next year? Is there maybe like another, like another player that might eke in, right? Like this year we had Chase Young, everybody's talking about Chase Young, maybe being, you know, number one. Um, Last year people were talking about Joey Bosa, like, is there that is there going to be that other player like, you know, Jamar Chase, you know, the receiver out of LSU, who we were, I think probably who you were alluding to before as being a, a future first rounder. Um, I'll say that they'll be the first two quarterbacks taken, but like it all depends who's drafting at one and two, because like if they have a quarterback situation lined up, but they need other things, then, you know, but I'll, I'll say they're the first two quarterbacks taken. But if I would say if anybody could supplant them the way you were talking about. I have uh, two guys that come to mind right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Panay Suell, the tackle out of Oregon, and uh, Gregory Rousseau, defensive end out of Miami. Yeah, Miami's got a couple of guys coming out next year that people are very interested in, but Rousseau is definitely the one that's high on everybody's board. He's uh, a freak, man. 
And I think if you're going to get like a, an option at getting a top end pass rusher, uh, that's definitely you know where you're going to go because uh, that seems the top end picks either usually be you know are usually receive uh, not receive usually quarterback pass rusher. You know this year we saw Okuda go top three and then offensive line. So Penny Suo, I mean people were talking about him you know being very high up if he had if he had been eligible to come out. Uh, I think somebody I saw somebody say that. He's been their highest-rated uh, tackle since Ronnie Staley. So, oh wow! So you're talking about like in five years, that's their highest-rated tackle, which is weird because I remember people not. Ha- I know some people didn't have Ronnie Staley, but I guess that was his guy that draft. I know Laramie Tunsil was, I think, for for at least some of the general public was the the uh, the big tackle in that draft. But either way, you're talking about maybe in five years the highest-rated tackle in a draft. So. He's that's he's high a, praise. He's a freak, man. He really is, and he's very he's because the the biggest hit that Oregon gets on offense usually when it comes from college to the draft is they have great athletic players but not great football players. Like when it comes to offense, but he's like a legit offensive tackle. Like this kid could play at any university he wanted to, and he would be he would still be getting the same amount of praise, if not more. So when Washington picks in the top three next year, they're going to probably take him? If they were smart, yeah. With well, Or they'll, just take, they'll take the other Ohio State quarterback and double up. <laughs> yeah, who knows with them? Who knows? But, yeah, and, and Rousseau, Rousseau, I'm just such a big – he's fast, he's tall, and he's long really good at like getting getting around guys to the where the length comes in is the longer you are the quicker you can get to the quarterback you know that's that's why um you know joe walsh drafted charles haley was because his arms are so long he was able to get to the quarterback much quicker that's why length is so big for defensive end mm-hmm. fast strong tall like he's just uh this might be a hot take, but I would probably take – I would definitely take him over – like, if he were in the draft this year, I wouldn't take him over Young, but I would definitely take him over Chason. I don't think that's that's much – I don't think that's that much of a hot take, only because Chason did not have a lot of production when he was at LSU. Um, like, again, it was always kind of the argument of who should be the third – the second, like, pass rusher in this draft, and it was between Epinesa and Chason. But, I mean, that at least gives you an idea. So you at least at right now think he should be a first-round pick. I know uh, some people who I, I was – I kind of follow had said that, you know, he doesn't have, a like, maybe the true uh, – the techniques down. But, again, like, athletic, if he develops into his body, he starts developing some pass rush moves, he gets within a good coaching staff, he's going to be an elite player. Well, he's got a good bend. And he's quick off the line, so he can develop a bull rush as well because he's quick and strong. He's got a very good bend and uh, very good tracking skills. Okay, um, different positions, but, like, this is how high I am on him. I would take him over over Brown, who went seventh overall to the Carolina Panthers, who the number one defensive tackle this year. Yeah, out of Auburn. I, I... Tack- mm-hmm. That's how high I am on Rousseau. Where would you have taken if you were drafting this year? Where where did you have Derek Brown on your board? Kind of if you had a personal board, would you have taken him like where he went, or would you have felt like he should have been further down? Like, well, or yeah. did you even have him as DT one? Because I know some people like Kinlaw DT one. Yeah, I had him as DT one. Technique wise and skill wise, they were pretty even. Mm-hmm. But uh, Brown, 
just showed out a little more and played in more big games, obviously, than South Carolina did, and he didn't have the injury concern. Yeah, I feel like I felt like uh, Derek Brown was maybe the safer one. I felt like Kinlaw maybe had the higher ceiling. He showed a little bit more ability for pass rush than necessarily Derek Brown did, but Derek Brown was just like I felt like the the safest stock you could probably have bought at that point. So I I get why I get why teams liked him. Uh, what what other positions are you interested in next year? Because like again, there's like uh. Like this year was a great receiving class. Like we already talked about one offensive tackle. I know I know a couple of offensive linemen that are coming out next year or potentially coming out next year. Yeah, uh, I could see five potential offensive tackles going in the first round next year because it's always a position of need. It's always a position you want to improve on, and uh, they're just getting more bigger and more athletic at that position as well. And there's 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 a few I see coming out next year. Yeah, so like you mentioned, Suo, I, I one guy who everybody thought was going to come out, but maybe was going to be, <coughs> I think he was on, he was mixed on a lot of people's boards was Alex Leatherwood, which is at Alabama, who is uh, Jedrick Will's running mate. Uh, I think you mentioned the other night on the podcast. I didn't even realize uh, when we were doing the live stream, um, I didn't realize that's who you were talking about because I had watched him earlier on and I thought he was going to be coming out this year, but. Uh, he's a very good pass blocker. I'm. I, I kind of want. I was. I was actually shocked he didn't come out because again he was being talked about as potentially a first round pick this year. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't. Um, and... my one thing is maybe it's just developmental time. Some guys, and then not only that, Saban tricks guys to stay there for so long. Oh yeah. Like the one. Okay, so we were talking about Etn earlier for guys who might come out in a supplemental draft. One guy who I was thinking of who probably should have came out because the running back was Najee Harris. Like, why the heck did that guy stay? Like, does he really think he's going to upgrade his value? Right. And and not just that, too, but another running back that uh, people might think go oh, in the first is Chuba Hubbard. Yes, and that was another guy who could have came out this year, too. Yeah, and I'm really surprised he didn't because you know what? Everyone's going to talk about him when he does come out to the draft. Good player, huge workload. Yep. But he's he's – they're putting a lot of tread on his tires, and – like he would have gone in the first two rounds potentially. He definitely would have been a day one, day early day two guy if he came out by him staying. You know, unless because he yeah, I definitely think he would have been day two. What's up? He de- well, yeah, yeah, because this this was such a stacked draft at other positions at running backs. But there's only there's a reason only one running back got drafted in the first round. But um, he rushed for over two thousand yards last year. He had a lot of carries, man, and like that's two years in a row that they've he's had a lot of carries, and a, a third one on tap is like, ugh. I mean, that's it's that was the that. knock on Jonathan Taylor, right? Well, that fumbling, but yeah, that's is a huge knock. Um, and then he, maybe he would like again because you saw some teams that maybe didn't go for a running back or could have maybe waited even better, you know, waited longer on running back. I I thought Etn should have came out because I thought Etn was going to be, you know, again he was fast, man. Etn might be the guy who would have you know, ran probably faster than Jonathan Taylor. He would have been the one running back to pull it off or one of the few of the of the and top think, end guys. I think he's coming back because Trevor has to come back. And uh, not like if they won that national title against LSU, he would have declared. I think mm-hmm. not winning it and having Trevor Lawrence come back was a big reason. Like just that redempt, wanting to get redemption and leave as a champion. It was part of why he stayed. Because developmentally and skill wise, uh, he definitely would have been picked day two of this draft. He's also such a great pass catcher too. 
as a running back. But I think the other factors I mentioned are why he stayed. Yeah, and there's sometimes that that unity of everybody going out at the same time. Like we saw that last year with the Clemson D line. There was like four guys that all left at the exact same time, and it was kind of like a uniform, like unity thing. So right. you, you know, you saw um, what's his name? The the one that uh, the Oakland Raiders took at four last year. Farrell. Yeah, Farrell. Uh, Dexter Logan. Lawrence. You know, you saw like three or four of them all go together into the draft. So there might right. be that little bit of like, hey, we're all gonna go and we're gonna go together kind of deal and you, but then we see guys who are also part of those teams that don't stay like you know t higgins left from clemson this year right um, well and then this year it's going to be trevor travis etienne and uh ross as well the wide receiver they're probably they're all going to get drafted in the first round potentially yeah so that was what i was going to bring up because it looks like it's going to be a stacked receiver class next year like again not not as deep like you were saying but like it, it seems like it's going to be like a really good class like kind of like 2014 class where there's a bunch of really good picks in the top like in the first round oh yeah like uh chase chase and ross are one two on my board yeah justin ross out of clemson and uh uh jamar chase out of lsu uh, jamar chase is just a beast like again like they, he he literally destroyed other people's careers going into the nfl their defensive backs were like i played one game against jamar chase he made me look stupid uh, but still oh. got taken in the first round yeah aj terrell if you bring up aj terrell everybody says well did you see what uh, what happened in the national title game or even Diggs? people say oh but did you see what chase did him like whew. You know he's he's so good. He's so he he, also, he might be that guy that people are going to trade up for. Like eventually, he will be that one guy. And then that's insane too. Like I don't know if anybody would trade up for a receiver in this class unless they really really needed one. Yeah. But yeah, if they were to. I would say it would be him. Um. What What's your thoughts on Ross? Because you brought him up. He seems to be one of your favorites. He's not one of my favorites. I just think he's good. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's fast. Um, he's not he's, – he's a better route runner than Higgins was. Um, he's not as good as after the catch as Higgins was, but he was definitely a way better route runner. I think better hands. The, the only thing that, like, always worries me about receivers is, you know, who's throwing in the ball, right? Yeah. Just like – like, it was the exact opposite for Tua because everybody's knock on Tua. It's like, well, look who he has the ball to throw to. But some, with the receiver, sometimes it's like, well, who's throwing them the ball? So is it, like, is Lawrence making it better? But, like, it's still up to him to catch it and what to do with the ball after he catches it, which is why I think Ross is way better than Higgins was, going like, NFL-wise. See, He's, I never – I never felt like a good quarterback made a like yeah okay it can maybe make you look a little bit better but I always feel like a good quarterback just makes it makes a good receiver like show right like it's like you can't be a a good receiver like you'll see a lot of good receivers have bad quarterbacks and that's really oh, yeah it's almost kind of like you were saying before it's the opposite almost it's like the inverse they had a really yeah. bad quarterback so their career gets destroyed like Unless then you're DeAndre you, Hopkins. Yeah, like you, you're going ahead and you're having to reach for balls that are totally off your frame. Uh, there were a lot of guys in the, this year's draft that had that issue. There's so, a bunch. And, uh, and it makes it hard to evaluate. Although sometimes the good thing is, is you're getting to see them go up 
and, and play with an inaccurate quarterback, so you're seeing them lay out for catches. You're going to see, right. like, you know, are they good at catching away from their body? You know, how, how are they catching the ball? Are they catching, you know, with their fingertips? Or, you know, are they using a little bit, you know, are, are they not using the right form with catching? That's why my next two guys, Smith and Waddle, you know, they're not going to have two of this year. But the, the argument I always make is you see every position come out of Alabama and have success except quarterback. Yeah. So, like, you can't really hold that. Like, if whoever it is throwing the ball to them next year, they're still going to be, you know, Smith and Waddle both first round at latest sec round two picks unless they, like, get hurt or something. But I have a couple other guys. I like Moore from Purdue a lot, even though he's kind of smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like St. Brown from USC, Amon Ross, St. Brown. And then this might be a little biased because of you know the position I'm in. But I think a guy that could, like, especially with the senior bowl, if he has a good season, that could creep into a lot of draft boards is Frank Darby out of Arizona State. You're not the first person I heard mention that, though. There are a lot of people on Twitter who are like, you know, Darby's going to get his opportunity to shine now without uh, without Brandon Ayuk there, without Nikhil Harry. Now he's going to be the star guy of that receiving core. Yeah, and he, he had – he shined a lot last year. He had two deep ball ca- touchdowns against Oregon. He showed out against USC. He had a very, very good – like a lot of people considered him wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. It's just Ayuk – Ayuk was the more refined route runner. Darby's just a freak athlete. And, and then Brandon uh, Ayuk was able to actually come out this year too. Yeah. But Frank Darby is very – he's a very good receiver. Uh, do you think it's going to be a, a similar – like because we were talking before about Corona, do you think it's going to be like how uh, it was this year where it seemed like a lot of the bigger school prospects kind of got taken up? You saw the LSUs, the Ohio States. Like, yeah, there were a couple of small school prospects here and there, usually the ones that Bill Belichick likes to frequent. But, like, yeah. it was it was a very big school Power 5 draft, it seemed like. Like, do you think it's yeah. going to probably be that way next year too? Even though, yeah, usually the Power 5 usually, like, dominate. It's I felt even more like that this year. Well, it all depends what happens because it was definitely this year because one, uh, a lot of them didn't attend the combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they get pro days, anything like that. So you really had to narrow down to the safest pick. Like, well, you know what? We've seen this guy against top competition. We've seen this guy in bigger games. We're more familiar with his coaching staff, you know, especially because Mayock and Gruden, for example, like they took Arnett at 19. Yeah, but they love their big school guys, especially Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. You know, they love those three schools, which most teams do. So it, it, you get more of a sample size on them because you know, I, I'm sure that John Gruden knows um, Dabo Sweeney a lot more than he does whoever the coach of Lenore Ryan is. You know what I'm saying? Where Kyle Duggar came out of. So it's just one yeah. of those things. So it all depends. Like if if they don't get have those things taken away from them this year like, you know, the pro days and things like that. And then I, I think it might be more return to the norm. But, I mean, it just remains to be seen depending on, you know, the status of the whole country. It's true. Uh, by the way, so this year it was a bad draft class for tight ends, right? Like, who's the first tight end taken? Cole Komet? Yeah, uh-huh. you went, like the Chicago Bears took him. Um one thing I've noticed, it sounds like next year's draft class might be a little bit better for tight ends, at least on the top end. Um, 
I know uh, Kyler Pitts in Florida. Uh, Pat Free. Okay, this name's gonna be horrible. Pat Freermuth, Brendan Jordan. Um, you know, uh, Freermuth is out of Penn State. Freven Jordan's out of Miami. Uh, Jordan, Jordan, yeah. Jordan's weird too to say. That's the problem with uh, football in general. Is you get guys who have like these weirdly spelt names, and then like Tyrod. Tyrod was like, "Oh no, it's Tyrod now." Like that was weird when that happened. I wonder if he's still doing that, or if he went back to Tyrod. I was listening to. So, do you ever listen to the podcast Two Bears One Cave, the one that Tom Segura and Bert Kreischer do together? Yeah, every once in a while. Tom Segura was telling a story. He was doing an interview with T.O. Yeah. And uh, his agent was there first, and they're like, "His name's Terrell." If you call him Terrell, he won't talk to you. And he's like, <laughs> okay. And then one of uh, one of Segura's assistants was like, oh, I'm going to go ask him for an autograph. And he, and Segura's like, who? And he's like, Terrell Owens. And he's like, uh, it's Terrell. And he's like, no, it's not. And he's like, yeah, it is. Call him Terrell, not Terrell. And he's <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. And he's like, well, then just call him T.O. And he's like, dude, his name's Terrell Owens. So he goes up. He's like, hey, Terrell, can I get an autograph? And T.O. just walked away from him. My whole life, I've been calling him Terrell Owens. I had no idea it was Terrell. <laughs> That's kind of crazy, man. And it feels weird to say Terrell Owens. Like, I've never done that. Yeah, it doesn't even sound comfortable to say. Like, it's like, uh, it sounds like you're saying Terrible Owens. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it just doesn't, like, fit. Um, well, couple another good... guy, uh, Stearns, as well, at tight end. I don't know if you have him on your list or not. Uh, no, I don't. So, yeah, that's a, another good one. Yeah, I can't remember end. the school he's from. Go ahead. I'm still here. Tight ends, like, again, it's a weird position. It takes a lot of time to adapt. Uh, are, are, is that maybe we're just, like, last year? This year's class was also kind of not very heavy for it. But also, like, the, the last couple of years, it's, like, been... Uh... I don't know. Well, I, I I don't think there's a lot of value for some of them unless they see like well, what was it last year we saw somebody go in the top ten? We saw two first rounders last year, both from Iowa. So unless they go to Iowa, is there an Iowa tight end this year? No. Damn it! There's no Iowa yeah, tight ends. Kittle, Fant, and Hawkinson, but Fant and Hawkinson both went in the top top twenty last year. Yeah. But other than like the game or two. Neither one of them, I would say, had great seasons because tight end is a much more – historically, it takes much longer to adapt to the program at, at the at tight end than anywhere else. So that kind of brings up the question of why even draft a tight end in the first round at that point. Like, Because if it takes long to develop them and you're paying them on their second contract, A, you might get somebody in free agency, and B, like – okay, maybe take them in later rounds and maybe take shots on them. Because that's how we saw George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. You know, even Gronk was a second-round pick. Like, we've never – like, we've seen a couple of first-rounders be decent. But first round at tight ends is not really a real sure hit rate, it seems like. Now, it's kind of more of a uh, of a more uh, – what's it called? Uh, more colloquial. It's not, it's not like – it doesn't seem like a real statistic, if you will. But it's it, not. It, but I just – I would never use a first-round pick on a tight end unless they were an absolute insane, like, once-in-a-generation talent. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm with you. I would never – like, well, I would not have drafted TJ Hawkinson in the top ten last year. Well, then you also look at the, the contract for tight ends is relatively cheap. Like, you look at, like, Austin Hooper is the highest-paid tight end, 
and he's making $8 million less than Amari Cooper. So, you know, even like when Gronk was playing in the NFL, his contract was less than what Hooper's is now, and he was definitely more impactful to his team. So just and like, Hooper really didn't come into his own until the last two seasons. Yeah. Um, there's even more O linemen, man. There's Creed Humphrey. There's uh, Samuel Cosme. There's Trey Smith out of Tennessee. I know he had an injury, which kind of why he went back. Uh, I do the O line classes the last couple of years. It looks like everybody was complaining about O line, so then they went, "Yeah, we got to actually find some good offensive linemen." And they start putting them out there. Like guys started going ahead and actually doing well at those positions. It seems like are they being be- they're getting better at scouting them as well. It seems like too. Well, and then you mentioned Smith, but his uh, his teammate Mays, they both can play tackle or guard, and that's going to help their draft stock a lot because you, they're a very good plug and play players, but they're also good at both. Um, did you mention Cosme at all? Yeah, the Texas offensive tackle. What about uh, Mayfield? Uh, I don't. No, I didn't mention him. Uh, he's. Um, I keep forgetting these schools. Um, and then Michigan. He's a tackle out of Michigan. Very good. Jalen Mayfield. This is a problem. Michigan's program, like, yeah, they have a lot of good guys that come out, but it's like, I don't know, man. I uh, is Harbaugh going to be there much longer? It just doesn't seem like that program's working with him. No, well, they recruit well. They get a lot of pro talent. Well, it's just. It's a lot like when Les Miles was at LSU. Always recruited well, always had good draft talent, but just never put it on the field. And even with Urban Meyer gone, they still can't beat Ohio State. And you got other programs coming up. Like Wisconsin's perennially like a top four team in that conference. But then mm-hmm. Penn State, Penn State has been slowly and surely coming up. And then Minnesota with Coach P.J. Fleck. They're a big come up. Oh, that's a wide receiver we forgot to mention was Bateman out of Minnesota. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Yeah, I have him somewhere on my list. Um, But I think it was at the lower end of it. I I have him down by Rondell Moore. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's good, man. I can see him creeping up. D-line looks like it's going to be a bit better next year with Marvin Wilson coming out. Oh, Uh, Florida State? Yeah. Tyler Shelvin, another LSU guy. Uh, dude, LSU like this year and last, like this year, and it seems like next year as well. Just keeps on, it's pumping out more guys than it felt like it was for a bit. It felt like LSU was mostly defensive backs for a while, and then a couple of receivers every few years. But I like Ray like, out of Alabama because he's a defensive tackle, but he's a good pass rushing defensive tackle. And then uh, Dylan Moses, uh, you mentioned Dylan Moses, right? Where he was, uh, he had the injury. Was that the one? You yeah, said? he tore the ACL. And he was gonna come into this draft. He didn't decide until mid-January what he was gonna do. He decided like a week. Oh, I remember that because it was his. He had posted something about not declaring, because and then they, his dad had posted some kind of letter because I guess his dad's an attorney. And he said he's not allowed to make that uh, that statement. And he wrote this very oddly, like funny, weird, like written lawyer letter that wasn't like it was very like, it was very oddly written. And basically, it was because of the insurance. Because some of these guys, when they're coming out, they uh, you know, if they're going back to school for a year and they're they're rated at a certain level in the draft, they get an insurance policy. 
but the more and more I've learned about these insurance policies, they're not sure things. They're not like I actually actually I actually one of the few times I ever had a conversation with a real uh, NFL draft analyst, Lance Zerline and I had this conversation on Twitter where we had went back and forth about uh, about these insurance policies, about whether they're really risk worthy or not, like whether that should be the thing that's keeping you in school. And he seemed to be very much for them. And I know me and a couple of other people were like, I don't know, man, because like, again, you have to insurance companies. They're not just handing you money. That's the problem with insurance yep. companies. They're uh they make money through denying the uh, the claim. So a lot of these, you know, some people have made their money on them, but there was a there was a story going back. Uh, I forget who it was that came out in the draft. It was a guy who went to Tennessee. I think it was Chance Warmack actually. When he came out, he had taken out a uh, an insurance policy and he had to fight them on it. So it happens every once in a while where you get these uh, these uh, policies where some of these guys end up falling in the draft because you also have to prove that it was because of your injury that you fell in the draft and not for some kind of personal reason. Well, because like uh, Ifo Akpreolamu, former mm -hmm. defensive back for Oregon, uh, decided to say for his senior year, even though he was projected to be a first-round draft pick, and then um, his senior year, Oregon makes it to the college football playoffs and during practice for the Florida State game for the Rose Bowl, he tears his ACL and then doesn't get drafted until the seventh round by your Cleveland Browns. But his, just, his ACL injury was so devastating, he never really could perform at the pro level. And he actually got his insurance. That might be one of those things where it clearly shows because, again, it happened right before – but yeah. then, again, you're taking the risk of, like, for instance, a guy like Ruben Foster, right? Guy who was projected to be a top 10 pick. Uh, didn't have devastating injuries, but they might have contributed to his fall in his draft stock. But he also had off-the-field question marks as well. That's where, Except like, when you have a guy who, you know, where there's, yeah, he fell one round. All right, well, where should I, where do we uh, evaluate that loss in value, if you will? Um, there's some corners coming out next year, although not as, I actually think this year's corner class was a lot deeper. Um, oh yeah, it is. Sean Wade That's out of Ohio. Fun. This year's this year's corner class was actually very deep, to be honest. I Patrick, thought it was sir. uniquely like you know, J, uh, it was it Jalen Johnson out of uh, Utah, it was a guy who fell to the Bears. I thought that was an interesting fall for a guy. I like but, Sertain out of uh, out of Alabama for sure. Yeah, I like Campbell out of Georgia, just more for like a round three or four guy, maybe round two if he has a good year. Uh, oh. Mook out of South Carolina. I call him that because I can't pronounce his full last name. <laughs> uh, another guy that a lot of people don't mention a lot, who I think could definitely be, if he really balls out and has like a good uh, pro day in combine, I think uh, Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech could really creep into the like second round, first round. Yeah, it's... It... It's always fun looking at these classes ahead of time because you're in like an idea of okay, like who who might come out, who's going to be like the so like we already talked about two quarterbacks, right? Who is the sleeper candidate to pop up? Like uh, you know, like I heard some people talking about Jamie Newman, who's a transfer from Wake Forest, who's going to Georgia. Like right. that's one of the guys that people are talking about. Um, shocking that's a transfer that people are talking about already so ahead of time, maybe because of the 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 Kyler Murray one-year effect, and not only that, you get to see him at Wake Forest. But it is weird that, like, now he's getting a little bit of it. Trey Lance at Notre, uh, North Dakota State is uh, getting a little bit of rumblings. I think that might be the uh, the 
Carson Wentz effect, if you will? Mine is actually neither of those. And it all depends on if he continues to improve about how well he played last year Mm -hmm. and actually declares, but mine is Brock Purdy out of Iowa State. He was another one I heard recently, yeah. He's a very natural thrower of the ball, very cerebral. Um, Imagine if, like, like, let's say you're, like, doing Madden ratings and you have Jake Fromm and you give him more physical traits with, like, throwing tight spirals and throwing downfield, but you take away a little bit of his cerebral traits, but not much. And he's, and he's bigger than Fromm, too. I like, I like Brock Purdy a lot. Uh, maybe like a late first round, early second round, or second round guy. I don't think he's not a guy you could start right away. You definitely need to sit, sit him a year or two so he could learn the speed of the game. But gotcha. I, he's definitely a dark horse, like creep up on your candidate because he doesn't have the greatest talent around him, but still has to perform against top talent and he, he performs pretty well. Hmm. Are there any guys that are that we haven't mentioned so far that you're interested in talking about? Let me just run through my list of names real quick. Sorry. Because there's, like, some guys who look like they're potentially going to be blue chippers, right? Like, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, people are already saying, like, top five of the draft next year. Maybe yeah, top I'm... two back-to-back. Um, Jamar Chase, uh, Penny Sewell. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, – who's the – damn uh... – well, somebody who I mentioned before is Marvin Wilson out of SFSU. Yeah, I like I like Wilson a lot. Him and Ray. I think. Well, you got to remember too, guys like like Lawrence has been talked about since he was a freshman, and he was a five star recruit. And then Justin Fields, as a senior in high school, was on Netflix. You know, on that show QB One. So he's been in the spotlight for a long time. But. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. It does feel like we're losing, like we're going to be losing the last of those stars that we've been talking about for years. Like it was weird because I felt like it didn't seem like it was like that for a bit, and then like the last three or four years, it felt like there was like every year people were talking about guys who were eventually coming out. Whether it was like Sam Darnold, I remember the the uh, scam for Sam, um, or Tank for Sam. Then there was Tank for Tua, Tank for Trevor. Like every couple of years, it's like another set of quarterbacks like teams are just tanking for. Well, okay. So, all right. Well, let's do it this way. Last year, Ellen, or, um, Jalen Hurts was going into his senior year. Granted, mm-hmm. he traveled from Alabama or transferred from Alabama to Oklahoma. But a lot of people knew he was athletic and knew he was big and strong. But they didn't really see him as an NFL talent. And then yeah. it was – we see him as like a round five or six guy. And then it was, oh, we see him as a round three guy. And then he has a good combine, good interviews. It's like we see this guy as an early round three, possible round two guy. What like Do you see like that same type of ascension for like Sam Ellinger out of Texas? Do you think he could do that? Uh, was he, is he transferring or is he moving anywhere? Is he, like, is it no, like- he's just coming into his senior year. I... But- a lot Texas of people throws. like the kid. He's big. He's strong. He he he's you know he can run, but I just I just don't think he's that great of a thrower. I feel like or, every year though we do get those guys who come on late, and it's never the guy who you think, right? Nobody thought Joe Burrow was going to be the guy who came on. You know, people talked about Baker Mayfield, but nobody really thought Baker Mayfield was going to go number one overall. Um, 
last year it was Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, um, those guys nobody was talking about in the first round the year before. So nobody was talking about Daniel Jones until the pro day. Yeah. Well, uh, Senior Bowl because that's where he shined. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. It was the Senior Bowl. That's when Dave Gettleman fell in love and uh and had to give uh Dan- give Danny his ring. I honestly, I think I'm a little bit more impressed with what Dave Gettleman did. I think it might have been a little bit more Joe Judge influence as well this year. Oh, yeah, coming from the Patriots system, trying to do a Patriots draft. But I, it's, it's very hard pegging guys at this stage because you're like, you know, you saw like a, a hint here, a hint there. Um, the thing that I'm curious about is now we're talking about all these guys. There's always a faller too, right? Like people like Delpit, right? Everybody thought Delpit was going to be a top 10 guy last year at this time of year. And then he kind of falls off. Um, who's another one? You know, Trey, Trey, uh, is it Trey Smith? Trey Adams? Trey Adams out of, uh, out of Washington, Everybody saw him as a first rounder, potential first rounder. Maybe he recoups his value this year after spending all last year out on injury. You know, there's guys who might fall a little bit out of these guys. Like again, this is why coming out at the right time. You know, we said it before. Guys got injured; they went back for their senior year. Um, like Najee Harris is the one that I feel like is going to be the Bryce Love of this story, right? Like he's got like you could have came out this year. You would have maybe been a day two pick. Maybe day three, but you would have made your money, and you would have went to a team, and you've been pay- getting paid. But I uh, I would also put that same superlative on uh, Jalen Waddle, also out of Alabama, because it was like yeah, la- like Tua was getting the receivers these balls last year, and they're probably gonna like return to a more run heavy, not pass as much type of team. And I'm not saying Waddle will found- fall to like round three, round four, but mm-hmm. The more conservative you get, it's going to be really hard to have two receivers stand out. And I think between him and Devonta Smith, you know, he's he's going to be the one that's going to fall down draft boards a little bit more. Personally speaking, I get. I that. just I, when you don't have the ability not, to feed everybody. I mean, we saw Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley do. Oh, Calvin Ridley. When Calvin Ridley came out, he still had. Uh, I think he oh he came out no right Tua had just like I think it was just that game, the bowl game, yeah. So, but he was still he was wide receiver one for at least a year. And, but yeah, you might not be able to split between the two guys. Uh, any last thoughts on twenty twenty one as far as uh, riser faller, uh, strength of that draft class? I think it's strength. Like I don't think it's as good as this, the draft class we just had. Mm-hmm. Because this one was, I mean, on paper, it was a good draft class. Yeah. No, you you can never really grade a draft class until they actually perform. But on paper, it was a very good draft class. I think this one will be, you know, like a little bit below it, but I think it's still going to be good. But it's just like, it, it happens every year. Every year, people, random people are just going to have a good season from a team you didn't expect to be good or or as good as they were. And then once the bowl games come around, you're going to have somebody show out in a bowl game or in the, the college football playoff. Like Patrick Queen wasn't considered a round one pick until the college football playoff. 
That's um, true. That was actually one of those late guys, like really late in the process that nobody was paying attention to. That like it wasn't until he kind of blew up at the end. Same thing with Isaiah Simmons. Like everybody knew Simmons was good, but not not this freak athlete that like X weapon that every team needed to have until the playoff came. And then then you're gonna have the senior bowl where other people come up out of nowhere, and then you're gonna have the combine where there's gonna be some offensive tackle who's six foot seven, three hundred and ninety pounds, but runs a four eight. And it's like, well, this guy's a first round pick, no doubt. And it just it happens every year. Or there's going to be somebody that ha- gets arrested for, you know, you know, getting in a fight with their girlfriend or something. When they could have gone in round two, they're going to go on round six. Just things like that. Or there's a picture of them that gets released on draft night with them smoking a bong. <laughs> or they get a seven on their Wonderlick test and everyone thinks you're retarded. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to it. It's nice, though, that the draft's over. We finally get to see some of these guys hopefully in action. And... uh I, I can't wait till next year, man. But I, I'm looking forward to the football season, like the real football season, hopefully. Man, if there's no college football this year, like, that's really not good for me. But, yeah, I just – I'm going to stay optimistic and hope that there's football because it's – it's like you and I, you can attest to this. I think most people can attest to this. Like, there's nothing as almost as enjoyable as just after a week of work – or whatever issues you have, like whether it be in a, like a, a relationship, family, your work life, finances, whatever it is, that one Saturday or Sunday, or maybe both if you're just that big of a football fan. It's like when we're sitting there watching football and or checking our fantasy team, if you have one, that's like everything else in the world does not exist for those four quarters. And it's it's just so, so there's nothing. fantasy, that- dude. How this draft and free agency affects fantasy for last year is going to be fantastic. That's going to be the fun part. Just deciphering where all those guys all land. And, like, because, like, Jonathan, who, who, okay, you're in a, like, you know, this is a little bit off topic, but uh, you're doing a, like, a, maybe you don't do Dynasty, but say even, like, who's your favorite rookie outside of Clyde Edwards-Alaire next year? Like, because it's clearly got to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire because he's with the, the Kansas City Chiefs is going to be utilized as a pass catching weapon, but outside of him, like Jonathan Taylor. But then you're worrying about Marlon Mack. Is it going to be a committee? J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins. Yeah, Dobbins for sure. Dobbins but, or Taylor. Yeah, it's got to be one of those guys. Um, Baltimore. They were the number one rushing team last year in terms of attempt and yards. And yeah, but my Mark question Ingram isn't getting any younger. Yeah, but that was my thing. Is my question is, you know, it might be they start out splitting reps for, you know, J.K. Dobbins with Mark Ingram. Now, there's not a guy who's equally as young, so you're right. Like the age thing is what probably puts Dobbins over the head, like over Ingram. They did lose some, you know, offensive linemen. Right. They also got good offensive linemen in the draft. Yeah. Um, I would not be mad picking up like a like a Zach Moss late on in the draft, you know? And See, that's the other thing, too, when we're talking about, like, like if I'm picking my fantasy team now, it's so much, like, but after after preseason, if we have one, or, like, like theoretically, if we had a regular football season, preseason and training camp, 
tells you kind of a lot about how these rookie running backs are going to be used. Wide receivers are a little bit safer to pick than running back, but unless mm-hmm. you unless you know this person's coming into a number one art running back position, it, it's not really safe. Or even if they are coming into a number one running back position, if it's a bad offense, I don't like running backs on bad offenses. Sometimes you get a gym, but sometimes it's like that's a bad offense for a reason. Yeah. No matter how good this player is. But yeah, it was just some food for thought. Uh, maybe I'll do an episode on that. Uh, we'll, I'll have you on for that one because that that sounds like just such a you know fantasy. Um, that's the fantasy is that fantasy will happen again. That's what I miss so much is fantasy. Yeah. That's the. Last, that that's my love. You, since we're on the topic of fantasy, one little note. I actually got this update on my phone today. Is uh, if you play fantasy on ESPN, and I'm sure the other platforms will follow suit. You know, most likely. Uh, Taysom Hill can now be drafted as a tight end or a flex option. Oh wow! For or, for the six like catches that he gets in a game. Yeah, and his two rushes and one pass attempt. Uh, don't even get me started on the on the uh, uh, on the Sean Payton uh, smoke screens that he does. Anyway, I'm going to stop the recording now, but uh, I'm just going to lead you out on and then I'll, I'll edit it out. But so anyway, thanks for coming back on, man. It was great having you on. Uh, we'll have you back on again. Wow, and, for uh, sure. And uh, it's been Shane. It's uh, if you want to follow him, you can follow him at T H E E underscore Shane underscore MCM. Correct. And... On Instagram and Twitter. Uh, please like, follow, subscribe. Uh, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. And Punch, a delicious drink you drink on a summer day. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the future.